In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus, Word of God, reveal more of yourself to us through your presence in the Bible. Led by the Holy Spirit, guide our time of reflection. May it increase our desire for you in the Scripture and in the sacrament. Amen. Some context to our first reading will help set the stage for the passage that will be read at Mass this weekend. We hear from the book of Numbers, and there the people are complaining again because all the Lord is giving them in the desert is manna. If only we had meat for food, they say. Moses complains to God for having to deal with these people. I cannot carry all this people by myself, he says. But the Lord responds by telling Moses to assemble 70 elders. I will take some of the spirit that is on you and will confer it on them. This is what happens in our first reading. Only two on the list, Eldad and Medad, had not gone out to the tent with everybody else. And yet the spirit came to rest on them also. A young man runs to the group to tell them that these two are prophesying from within the camp. And Joshua tells Moses to stop them. But Moses responds, Would that all the people of the Lord were prophets. The key here is to think of location. The prophesying of the 70 elders is only supposed to be taking place at the tent outside the camp. And yet, these two are prophesying from within the camp. The story shows us that prophets can and do speak outside of the expected confines of religiosity. And we see this with prophets such as Amos and Jeremiah. As a final thought about our first reading, the tradition of 70 elders was continued in Judaism through the ministry of the Sanhedrin. This was the supreme religious body for Jewish life in Palestine at the time of Jesus, and it contained, you guessed it, 70 members in total. We see Jesus, however, also keying upon this tradition of 70 elders by sending out a group of 70 disciples in Luke's Gospel. This is the final weekend in which we'll hear a passage from the letter of St. James, and James saves one of his most scathing portions of the letter for the final chapter. Come now, you rich, weep and wail over your impending miseries. <laughs> it's quite a way to start our second reading. In it, James speaks out against what were the three barometers for wealth in the ancient world, food, clothing, and precious metals. James shows the fleeting nature of each. Wealth has rotted away. Clothing has become moth-eaten, and gold and silver have corroded. Using a twist of irony, James says that the rich, who have hoarded their possessions without considering the poor, actually have stored up a treasure for the last days. But I'm using treasure in air quotes, because the treasure they've stored up, according to James, is the testimony against them that will devour their flesh like a fire. After this, James lambasts those who have withheld wages from their harvesters in the fields. Now, the average field laborer at this time didn't just live paycheck to paycheck. He lived day's earnings to day's earnings. So if a field worker wasn't paid for his work that day, he and his family simply wouldn't eat that night. James uses another one of his famous metaphors a bit later in the passage. He compares the uncharitable rich to those who have fattened their hearts for the day of slaughter. He's saying basically that just as an animal is force-fed and gorges itself before it is slaughtered, so too have the rich dined and lived luxuriously, but the day of their own end is at hand. By all of this, James is hoping to encourage the poor and the oppressed of his audience to not envy the rich. It's like he's saying, think of all in the light of God's coming judgment. The coming judgment is a theme in our gospel passage as well. Jesus talks about those who cause one of these little ones who believe in me to sin. And this verb for causing one to sin in Greek is skandalizo. 
It's where we get the word scandal in English, and it literally means to lay an obstacle that causes someone to stumble. Jesus says that those who do this ought to have a great millstone put around their neck and thrown into the sea. It's sort of like that old joke about getting fitted for a pair of cement shoes. Same concept here. The final verse of our gospel passage is taken from the very last verse of the book of Isaiah. There, Isaiah is describing the ingathering of all of Israel, and indeed of all the nations, yet how at the same time there will be recompense for those inside and outside of Israel who rebelled against God. They will be brought to the place where worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. So, on that happy note, that's it. That's your Sunday setup for this 26th Sunday in Ordinary Time in Year B. May this knowledge of the story behind the scripture allow you to encounter Jesus Christ in a new way this weekend. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.